0: Live from WNUR News, I'm Richard Yan. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1, Evanston, Chicago. It's Monday, May twenty second, 2023. Tonight on WNUR News. How on planet Dillo did Mayfest get rapper Offset for Dillo Day? The final installment of the Fast and Furious series is now in theaters, and Disney's latest casting controversy for the live-action Lilo and Stitch. Those stories coming up tonight on WNUR News at 6. Thanks for tuning in. Dillow Day and its organizers Mayfest have had quite a reputation for bringing in some big-name artists to perform at Northwestern over the years. But this year's headliner might have been the biggest artist yet. Jennifer Kim has the story.
1: The biggest student-run music festival in the United States happened at Northwestern just yesterday. This year, Mayfest Productions invited rapper Offset as the nighttime headliner for Dillo Day. David Park, a sophomore in Weinberg, is still in awe at the scale of the event.
2: I, I think considering that Dillo's student-run is really impressive because, like, there's just no way that many other schools get names as big as we do, like Offset, Sean Kington, etc.
1: Northwestern has a proven track record of inviting popular artists including, but not limited to Wiz Khalifa in 2013, Chance the Rapper in 2014, and Charlie XCX in 2015. According to David, the headliner was what he looked forward to the most. Sean Park, a junior in McCormick, had similar opinions to share
2: i'm not gonna lie i didn't know who most of them were until offset and then once offset dropped i was like oh my god there's no way
1: what was your favorite part of dilliday offset that's it
3: yeah (laughs) i think the crowd was very hyped this year i think even more compared to last year because like actually like offset got off the stage and then like he kind of stood in the middle of the crowd at some point, and that kind of really hyped the crowd out. Crowd out so.
1: While David was more than happy with the headliner, Sean had other artists he hoped to see, describing his choices in two words, unrealistic and K-pop.
3: Black, Blackpink, Blackpink.
1: Yeah, we definitely Blackpink. can't afford them either. <laughs> S-Ball
3: or BTS, you know?
1: Well, they had pink for Coachella. We can't have them.
3: <laughs> oh, Dillo, Dillo's okay. as good as Coachella's.
1: In addition to the artist lineup, the unique theme is what differentiates Dillo from other music festivals. This year, the theme was, take off from Area 51 to complete a mission on Planet Dillo. Students each interpreted the theme in their own way, and dressed accordingly. We saw all kinds, including aliens, dinosaurs, and
2: more. So my friend paid 40 bucks on amazon to get this costume it was like the red guy from among us but he couldn't really see very well so i pretty much had to like become his eyes and walk him throughout all of sheridan
1: david says he learned that the consequence of an outstanding costume is that you need to be ready to be in every single picture on the other hand as a bystander sean enjoyed watching the fun costumes from afar
3: one thing I saw was there was like the dinosaur costume, kind of a dinosaur kidnapping alien or something like that. And it's like a one person costume, but it looks like two, two people was in it. So that was kind of cool. Uh, a lot of guys were like just button up shirt while like, a lot of girls actually tried their best to dress up. So that was one interesting thing that I thought.
4: Were you on theme?
3: I was just on my button up shirt. Wow you're so boring okay um
1: (laughs) (laughs) and it seems as though both sean and david would give a unanimous vote to this year's dillo over last year's
2: it was i think the weather was a lot nicer this year just because the day before dillo last year it rained a lot and then everyone's shoes got absolutely destroyed i don't think anyone like anticipated it
3: um i think one thing really cool that they came up with this year was the the dillo day app in the app, you can kind of follow the of schedule as well as like it actually sends you a push notification like on which artist is going on right now. So it was very helpful. Like if something like emergency event happened or like something important happens, then like you can easily get notified through the app. So I think that was one thing they did great this year compared to last year.
1: The Dillo Day app developed by Mayfest allowed students to track events, find locations on the map, and determine their Dillo Sona depending on their taste in music on Spotify. While Sean very much appreciated spending the day outside with friends and at Darty's, he says he was quite concerned about the aftermath.
3: In front of Norris, like, there was, like, a huge pile of trash and, like, leftover alcohol bottles and all that, so, like, I don't know. I was wondering, like, who's gonna Take care of all of that after it'll be low, so like I kinda was like sad about it.
1: David has more to add about room for improvement.
3: I know Mayfest
2: prides itself on like not charging any of the students for attending, but I really don't think attendance would change that much if they charged just like five bucks or something, and I think a lot more funding would be secured.
1: Although it is yet unknown whether Northwestern will be able to host another dillo day due to the lack of funding the music festival most definitely seems like one of the students' favorites, as well as the university's identity. This is Jung and Jennifer Kim, signing off from WNUR News.
0: Everybody's favorite sports car driving, money heisting, physics defying movie series Fast and Furious has now officially come to an apparent end with the latest installment of the franchise Fast X. Maria Camaño has more.
5: after its last installment, Fast X or Fast and Furious 10 is now in theaters. Opening on May 19th, the movie has been planned since 2014, set to be the finale of the Fast and Furious film franchise. The film is the first part of the finale, with the sequel and final film of the series set to come out in 2025. Directed by Louis Leterrier, Vin Diesel reprises his role as Dominic Toretto and was faced with his family and friends who could be their most lethal opponent, Dante Reyes, who was played by Jason Momoa. Junior Caitlin Carsmith, smith has been a fan of the fast and furious franchise since she was young and was excited for this release
6: i started watching it because my dad kind of watched them occasionally and one night my siblings and i were hanging out with him and he showed us fast five which is the fifth one in the franchise and we thought it was really fun and then that same year furious seven came out so we went to the theater to see that with him and slowly i just started watching all of them and i just kind of became obsessed with it.
5: Weinberg's senior, Spencer Page, originally was a fan of the series because of his love for cars as a child.
7: So like, as a kid that was into cars, I just thought it was the coolest thing because I felt like they were kind of like the coolest car movies that weren't really about like, they weren't like, you know, like NASCAR documentaries or whatever. So I liked that a lot. There's just like a lot of fond memories there for me.
5: Both Carsmith and Page believe that the action stunts have become more outrageous as the films progressed. For Page, this was something that led him to stop watching the films while it is something that makes Smith enjoy them further.
7: I feel like it eventually just got, like, kind of outrageous and kind of stupid um, and definitely away from, like, what I had come to expect from the series as a kid. Like, when they're stealing nuclear submarines or doing these crazy chases, dropping cars out of airplanes, I just kind of checked out. So it wasn't really for me. So, like, you know, the first the first four movies, I'm there, but anything after that, I'm kind of half and half on.
6: I also just enjoy watching it because it's so ridiculous Um, and in every movie there's something new and stupid but fun that's happening so I was definitely expecting something that I I was expecting some kind of stunt or action sequence that I hadn't seen before and up to this point they'd done like everything like they fought a submarine they went to space (laughs) like they've done everything so I was expecting them to do something new and I mean, they they were going to have all the classic tropes, of course, like them talking about family a lot and, you know, scenes that are defying the laws of physics. So those were kind of the things I was expecting.
7: That me and my friend wanted to go laugh at a movie we expected to be bad. And so we went and saw it on uh, opening day. It's an action movie as ridiculous as possible um, is kind of what I expected. So expectations were relatively low going in.
5: Both were pleasantly surprised at this installment, however.
7: I absolutely loved it.
5: (laughs) Like, I think what's so
6: great is the writers and the team have started to become self-aware of what these movies have become. Um, And there's a scene in this most recent movie, Fast X, where one of the government officials mentions like, these guys are all criminals. They've been going since 2001. They've graduated from street racing to hijacking submarines. And they always have like barbecues. And the fact that one of the characters is acknowledging like how stupid and insane this franchise is makes it even more enjoyable. There's a great action sequence in this new one where a bomb is rolling through the streets of Rome. And we hadn't seen that before. So that was cool that they, you know, they're one-upping themselves every time. They continue to do new stuff. And there are a lot of mentions of family and just dialogue that is so cheesy but is really on brand. So I loved it. I had a great time.
7: I was actually like pleasantly surprised. It was nowhere near as crazy in terms of the action and stuff as I expected it to be. It wasn't anything like super, super ridiculous. There were definitely some scenes where I was like, come on, dude, like what's going on here? But overall I was um, I was pretty pretty pleasantly surprised with it. I feel like my my money was well spent for sure.
6: These movies make billions of dollars for a reason um, I think this weekend alone it's already made almost 400 million dollars in like three days and there's a reason people love it they love it stupidity they love the heart of it
5: and Carsmith Smith is not wrong. The film is the eighth most expensive film ever made with a production budget of 340 million dollars. In its opening weekend, however, it has grossed $318 million so far, becoming the seventh highest-grossing film of 2023. And I think another thing
6: that people often overlook is how diverse the franchise is. The focus is Dominic Toretto, who is, I believe, a Latinx working-class person. And I don't think we see many movies with that much diversity. I mean, there's we have various ethnicities as well. We have people from Brazil, Japan, Dominican Republic. I mean... There are a lot of representations that go into it. Everyone has the capability in these movies of driving a car and blowing stuff up. And I think that's what we all deserve to watch.
5: The films also center around the theme of family, with Dominic and his team becoming a family of their own.
6: It's gotten to the point where it's like a joke on the internet. It is at the heart of the, the movies, as silly and overblown as it is. I mean, if you get to the heart of the movie, it's talking about the people that you love. And that's not a bad thing message, even if it is surrounded by explosions and car chases that technically don't make
5: sense. Although some might find the Fast and Furious movies to be silly, Carr Smith explains why the films still hold their appeal.
6: And I'm an RTVF major right now. And I, I mean, I think a lot of RTVF majors are really focused on these like very artsy films. But I don't think there's anything wrong with sitting down to enjoy a movie that's just pure fun, where you can turn your brain off for like two hours and just enjoy seeing some some action.
5: For WNUR News, this was Maria Camaño.
0: Next up, our favorite mega corporation, Disney, faces colorism accusations after releasing their casting decisions for the live-action Lilo & Stitch movie. Izzy Pereja has the story.
8: Disney has been facing colorism accusations since releasing their casting decisions for the live-action Lilo & Stitch remake. The film is set to be released in 2024. A large part of the criticism has revolved around the decision to cast Sydney Agudong to play Nani Pelikai, Lilo's older sister. The actress is of Caucasian and Filipino descent. Her family has also stated that they have Polynesian heritage. Many fans pointed out that although Agudong was born and raised in Hawaii, She is much lighter in complexion than Nani in the original movie. This sparked a larger debate about Disney's perpetuation of colorism through this casting and one's previous. I spoke with TikTok creators Lily Hiilani Okimura and Kili Mayulo about the controversy. Hawaiian native Hiilani Okimura has accumulated over 107,000 followers on TikTok and contributed multiple viral videos to the discussion. Mayulo's video on the topic gained over 142,000 likes. First, I asked them how they felt about the original Lilo and Stitch movie.
4: So the original film, I grew up watching it. It's a very beloved film here.
9: I mean, I feel like it could have been a little better because it's a Disney film. I am not Hawaiian myself. I'm Samoan, but I'm still Polynesian. We still come from the same group in Oceania. And that was the first mainstream representation that we as Polynesians ever got. I think they only have like
4: two maybe native hawaiian actors as like kind of speaking roles and then they have like one girl asian girl born and raised here um but not native hawaiian despite that i think that i always thought nani was beautiful i thought that the characters looked like people from here that it was very personable like i could you know relate to it
8: What seems to set Lilo and Stitch apart is its attention to portraying the culture and struggles of indigenous Hawaiians through the experiences of protagonist Lilo and her older sister Nani. Both girls are natives to the island and suggested to be of indigenous heritage. According to Hiilani Okimura and Maiulo, this sensitivity is what differentiates the movie from most other mainstream representations of native Hawaiians.
4: Other like films and media that represent native hawaiian people most often you know it's people not native hawaiian people not from here playing us and it's also very inaccurate exotifies our culture our place heavy focus on like the tourism industry and like tourists and not actual hawaii and not like our community and our lifestyle and also like
9: the struggles that we face that's the thing when there are movies taking place in hawaii it's surrounded by or it's from the perspective of a white person if they have white characters
8: in asking how they felt about disney's casting decision for nani and the live action remake this is what they had to say
9: she
4: was born and raised on Kauai. her family has been telling people like that they're part polynesian which hawaii is part of polynesia and so when I found out that she was cast, of course I thought, well, she doesn't look like Nani, but at least they casted someone who's native Hawaiian. It would have been nice to have like an opportunity for like darker skinned native Hawaiian women, more like curvier native Hawaiian women, like someone who looked like Nani to represent those those of us, you know, growing up with brown skin and wide noses and like curvier features, thinking, Oh my god, we're so ugly. She was like our first Disney princess, even though she's not like an official disney princess she was like she we consider her like a disney princess here
9: i think that people have a right to be upset about this especially those who are a part of this community um those who grew up living the indigenous polynesian lifestyle those who are native hawaiians specifically with brown skin i think they have every right to be upset like what does that say to us to like the young girls young Indigenous girls, the brown-skinned girls, the girls with ethnic features. It's almost like a slap in the face.
8: Do you think the casting affects the truth of the story in any way?
4: She doesn't know what it's like being a dark, you know, brown-skinned girl who has faced discrimination, who has been, like, overly, like, sexualized in, like, tourism industry, because I've also worked with tourists as well, and, like, there's that scene where Nani's, like, you know, working at that fakey luau scene and it's like a lot of us go through that look at me
2: uh, <laughs> this is not working out
4: uh, but Mm-mm. yeah
1: well who wants to work at this stupid fakey luau anyway come on
9: Lino. you know nani her being dark-skinned and in the movie um it's a it's a commonality among dark-skinned indigenous people to have difficulty finding jobs in the tourism industry, um, which, if you've seen the movie, you know that Nani has difficulty finding a job, which then leads to um, difficulty being able to prove herself as an apt guardian for Lila. which, you know, that's, like, the main point of the plotline. It's integral.
4: Oh, that would be so great. You have no idea how badly I need this job. Also, just... Um... The idea of, like, Lilo having to be separated from her sister, Nani, just that thing that I feel like a lot of Indigenous communities have to deal with is just the separation of children from their families because they think it's, like, not a good fit or whatever. But it's, like, you're separating them from their family, you're separating them from their community, their culture. And this happens a lot, especially here in Hawaii and also, you know, on the continental U.S.
1: Why didn't you wait at the school? You were supposed to wait there! Lilo! Do you not understand? Do you want to be
4: taken away?
8: And if it were up to you to find a solution, how would you want this problem to be addressed?
4: Again, this is Disney, so I think we just need to stop relying on them, on portraying our culture, portraying our people accurately. And we should be supporting and uplifting like Native Hawaiian directors and writers and creators and actors in our own work, um, instead of just like Disney,
9: because they're going to do what they want. Take into consideration recasting the character because there is an entire community who feels like they're not being represented properly. There's an entire community that you're disregarding their feelings, their entire history, their lived experiences today. By doing this,
8: for WNUR News, this is Izzy Perea.
0: Welcome back to WNUR News. It is 6.28 p.m. Central Time. Next up on this week's B-List, the Cannes Film Festival, Olivia Rodrigo's second album, Killers of the Flower Moon, and the NBA Conference Finals. Amelia Donhauser has the scoop.
10: Welcome to The B-List, your weekly roundup of celebrity mess and pop culture. This week, the Cannes Film Festival, Olivia Rodrigo's second album, Martin Scorsese's Killer of the Flower Moon, Asteroid City, Indiana Jones, and the NBA Conference Finals. In celebrity news, the stars were out at the 2023 Cannes Film Festival. The annual event hosted celebrities such as Gigi Hadid, Leonardo DiCaprio, and many more of Hollywood's A-listers walking the red carpet. The festival began May 16th and will run until May 27th. Highly anticipated star-studded films are set to make their debut at this year's festival. And in TV, E.M. Tongi won the 21st season of American Idol. Tongi, who is 18, beat out Megan Danielle and Colin Stow after singing an original song. They also announced the, sto- the show is renewed for its 22nd season. In music, Olivia Rodrigo officially confirmed that she is working on music and hinted that a new album may come out soon as she celebrated two years since the release of her debut album, Sour. The album had four singles that reached the top 10 of Billboard's Top 100. In a newsletter sent to her fans, she also hinted at the name of the new album by capitalizing and bolding the letters or two in the message. Musician Jack Harlow also made his movie debut in the remake of the 1992 movie White Men Can't Jump. He paired up with actor Cinque Walls for the film about two basketball players who play for money. It debuted on Friday on Hulu. In movies, Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, and Lily Gladstone, debuted at the 2023 Cannes Film Festival over the weekend. The film is about a series of murders that occur of the members of the Osage Nation in Oklahoma during the 1920s. Scorsese adapted the film from David Graham's bestseller. The true crime mystery touches on the larger relationship between the United States and Native Americans in the 19th and 20th centuries. The movie is supposed to be in theaters in October. The fifth edition of Indiana Jones also premiered on Thursday at the festival. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny starring Harrison Ford. Ford and Phoebe Waller-Bridge is set in 1969. Ford has stated that this will be the final time he plays the character and his last film of the series. It will be in theaters on June 30th. Finally, Wes Anderson's Asteroid City is expected to make its worldwide debut at Cannes before it is released in theaters on June 16th. In sports, last night in the NBA Eastern Conference Finals, the Miami Heat beat the Boston Celtics 128-102 to at home. The Miami Heat have taken a 3-0 series lead. The Heat will look to close out the series in Miami on Tuesday. In the Western Conference Finals, the Denver Nuggets also have a 3-0 series lead against LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers, and will look to finish the series tonight in Los Angeles. The Lakers and the Celtics will both look to become the first teams to ever come back from an 0-3 deficit in an NBA series. That's all for the B-List this week. Check next Monday to hear what happens this week in pop culture. For WNUR News, I'm Amelia Donhauser.
0: Taking a quick look into Evanston headlines. Chicago man arrested on Saturday morning for alleged attempted abduction of an Evanston resident near the Arch on Northwestern's campus. Yeah, great idea, man. Choose Dillo Day, the one day where Northwestern's got more cops on its campus than that. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website, WNUR.news. That's WNUR.news. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our producer today is Emily Stull, and our reporters are Jennifer Kim, Maria Camaño, Izzy Pereja, and Amelia Donhauser. From all of us here at WNUR News, thanks for listening. I'm Richard Yan. Catch our next newscast on Wednesday, May 24th at 6 p.m. Now, back to scheduled programming.